Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, everyone. We've got something special here on the podcast today. What follows is the second of two mayoral forums Reset's hosting this week with the candidates for Chicago mayor. We hope the conversation helps you decide who you'd like to see running City Hall. Live from the University of Chicago, this is Reset. I am Sasha Ann Simons. We're coming to you live from the University of Chicago campus for our one-hour live mayoral candidate forum. Now, here's the deal. We split the nine candidates into two forums. Yesterday, we were at the UIC campus, and we heard from five of the candidates. And today's day two. Now, these forums are a partnership between WBEZ, the Chicago Sun-Times, and UChicago's Institute of Politics. We're here with a live audience, and you can also listen to us on 91.5 FM or at WBEZ.org. You can also watch us right now as we stream live on both WBEZ's and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube pages. Now, why did we split these forums across two days at two different college campuses? Well, for a lot of this election season, you've been seeing nine candidates on stage at once. And it can be hard for voters to get the full picture of a candidate's views on an issue. So we chose to spread the event across two days and give candidates a little more breathing room to share their ideas and give you the chance as well to hear them. Now, we chose the UIC and U of C campuses because we wanted to engage with an important voting block this election And that's, of course, voters who are 18 to 34 years old. Now, unfortunately, two candidates who had originally committed to joining us today, Brandon Johnson and Willie Wilson, they have dropped out last minute due to scheduling conflicts. We're disappointed that they couldn't make it to tell our listeners why they should be the next mayor of Chicago. But we are happy to have two of our scheduled candidates here with us now to make their cases as they have throughout this campaign season. Organizer Jamal Green and Alderman Rod Sawyer. Now, the rules of the forum, they're simple. Unlike a formal debate, there are no opening or closing remarks. Answers are not strictly timed. However, this being a one-hour forum, it'll be my job to keep things moving. If a candidate does criticize the other, that person will be given a brief chance to respond. Questions we are asking today have been informed by the People's Agenda Survey, and we got nearly 2,000 responses with Chicagoans telling us everything about the issues that matter to them and, and what questions they have for their next mayor. All right. Sound good? Sounds great. Let's get started. All right. So we asked voters to tell us what issues mattered most in that people's agenda survey. And crime was clearly at the top of concerns. We began yesterday's forum with a question from Levi and Edgewater. And I want to pose it to you two today. And it was, how do you plan to address crime in the short term? So meaning the first six months in office and not the investment in addressing long-term issues that may take years to actually come to fruition. People want to be and feel safe next month, he said. So question to you first. I'll I'll go to you first, uh, Jamal Green. In your first six months in office, how do you tackle crime? Well, uh, let me let me first just say thank you guys for hosting this and informing voters. And uh, I see amazing faces out here in the crowd. Uh, Very unfortunate that two other candidates dropped out of this forum. Um, Hopefully they they are considering dropping out the mayor race, too. 
But, you know, we are uh, at a point where we must have real solutions and we need new leadership, not the same old politicians who are owned by special interest groups or trying to buy their way in office. Uh, and so when you talk about public safety in the short term, um, the, our short term solutions are simple. We're going to delegate $100 million uh, to uh, a Department of Social Workers to respond to mental health calls that are 40% of the calls that come through on 911. Um, we're also going to put $30 million into a youth intervention department. We're going to hire a youth interventionists that have priority of resources for young people who, get, who drop out of school or who get arrested. And uh, they will be able to give them free counseling, uh, mentoring organizations, uh, uh, housing support, and help put them on the right path so that we can intervene whenever a trigger happens in their life. Uh, and then we're going to start to increase home ownership as well. We're going to use a single-family mortgage to start backing home loans uh, in the neighborhood so that we can lure more stakeholders. And last, I'll say, you know, because we talk about short term, I'll be on the long term all day. But on short term, we're going to invest $77 million into a, a block club infrastructure program so that we can start to organize uh, block clubs all throughout the city of Chicago and empower people on their blocks to beautify their blocks, grants to for uh, parties. They're going to have phone trees um, so that folks can be the frontline responders and really have, take ownership over what's going on in their communities. Uh, those are some of the short-term things that we would do. Thank you. Alderman Sawyer. <clears throat> Thank you as well. Uh, those are, are, are all great ideas. I'm not going to say that they're not, but in the short term, we have to show the citizens of Chicago that we care about them. And when we care about them, we want to make sure that our police are being effective. Although constitutionally compliant, we want to make sure that they're doing their job. And we start that at the top. One of the first things in the short term to do is to replace the superintendent. We replace the superintendent by using the process that I was a part of putting in place, which is the establishment of the community commission. Part of the responsibility of the community commission is to select a superintendent. And the superintendent should be someone that has come through the ranks, that has the respect of the rank and file, that has the subject matter knowledge that would uh, be able to guide me and advise me on scheduling issues, on deployment, on other policing strategies that will make it uh, safer in the short term. We have to do that first and foremost. After we deal with the superintendent, we want to make sure that the community commission is fully in place. Uh, you will be voting on those on February 28th. And by that time, in the short term, we will have a, a commission in place, a, a new commission in place. What we want to do is make sure that commission is out doing their job, connecting with community, making sure that they're understanding the issues in all our 22 police districts and reporting that back to the Central Council. And the Central Council then reports back to the new superintendent. We have to get those things in the short term in place first and not to, to, to downplay the things that uh, Brother Green was just talking about because we need those things as well but we need to make an establishment first in the police department, make sure that our city is safe, and to respond to uh, the crime anxiety that a lot of us are feeling right now. We don't want to come out the house because we don't feel that we're going to be safe when we go to store, when we go out to dinner, when we go to a theater. We want you to go to those places because at the end of the day, that's our bottom line. That's how we receive money to provide all the services that you deserve and request on behalf of the city of Chicago. I'll give you 20 seconds to respond there. Yeah, my rebuttal uh, to that is, listen, we've already been trying to do those same things over and over again, 
trying these pro-police strategies. It has never worked, okay? Uh, of course, I agree on replacing the superintendent on day one, but we got to do new things, which is why we need to establish new departments and start to move uh, uh, experts into these fields so that we can start, start solving some of the root cause of what's going on just continue to increase the police budget is not going to get us out of this. So All right, I, I, I said nothing about increasing the police budget, and I think the things I talked about were new solutions. It's the newest solution in there, and it's the most forward-thinking process in the country right now. All right, now. let's keep this moving. Yeah. Thank you both for some very thoughtful responses there. One of the other candidates who had committed to being here today was Commissioner Brandon Johnson, who had to drop out but did provide this statement. <laughs> I am truly sorry that I'm unable to attend today's reset on the road with the host and fellow candidates for mayor. The event is in direct conflict with a meeting of the Cook County Board of Commissioners. And as commissioner of the first district, I have an obligation to my colleagues and the people of Cook County that I serve, end quote. Um, we do not have a statement from Willie Wilson's campaign for his absence today. All right, so we are going to keep it going with more questions from people who participated in that People's Agenda survey. This one from Marcel in the South Loop. He says... I worked for CPD and taught at the police academy for five years. I know what reform looks like, and we have not seen it at the police department. What will you do to change the culture that contributes so much to the problems that currently plague the police department? And Marcel adds, I have ideas, and I'd be happy to outline them to whomever wins the election. So keep that in mind. Our question asker is available to collaborate with uh, solutions to mm -hmm. the winning campaign. So. Alderman Sawyer, what will you do to change the culture that contributes so much to the problems that currently plague CPD? Again, first of all, I'll go back to my first answer and just leave that at that. Uh, work with the commission, make sure that we're doing the job. We have to make sure that when we talk about reform, that we're complying with that uh, the consent decree. We need to make sure that every item, and it's, we're far too far behind right now. I think we're somewhere at 5% full compliance with the consent decree uh, initiatives. We have to do better than that. And again, it starts with leadership. It starts with the mayor, starts with the superintendent, making sure that we're doing things because right now the police feel that they're working in a toxic work environment. They're not afraid of criminals. They're afraid of their superiors. They're afraid of what may happen in the event that a police officer makes a mistake or does something, maybe not turn a camera on in time, things like that, because right now they feel that, that, that the retribution would be over the top. We want to make sure that there, our officers stay in compliance with the uh, reforms that were dictated in the consent decree, making sure that we have an effective police report, because I believe that a reformed police department is actually in a very effective police department. So we make sure that we double down and drive down on the reforms, make sure that we're in compliance with each and every item as it goes forward, and continue that all throughout with training and, and, and giving professional development to the officers because they need that in order to make sure that they can continue on with de-escalation and other uh, issues that makes it where they not have to pull out their guns as often as they need to. They want to make sure that only in extreme instances of violence would they have to pull that gun out. Thank you, Alderman. Jamel Green. Well, we have to, when you talk about the police culture, um, a big reason why the police culture is very toxic is because we're using uh, over-policing strategy or trying to over-police, I mean, overwork officers to solve the community's ills. 
And that's a reason why it blows up the way that it does, because the officers are supposed to be the social workers. They're supposed to deal with young people. They're supposed to deal with all these things in the community when they should be only focusing on violent crime, which is why some of the things that I talk about is important of having social workers respond to mental health calls and homelessness, um, um, reopening up the mental health facilities, having temporary housing. If we start to move some of the workload off of officers, that's going to change their, their work conditions. We also need to tackle mental health when it comes to police officers. We have moved forward a plan to move, uh, put two therapists per district in the city of Chicago because their suicide rates are some of the highest, if not the highest in the country, and changed their work schedule to a four-day, three-off work week with one mental health day in between, um, which would also move more officers to the streets. And we have to have some accountability. In, police, in, in the police department, right? Uh, right now, we are spending $100 million on police misconduct settlements, and we could be spending $100 million a year on something else that really is ma matters to the community. We've moved forward a plan to have some form of insurance, and we're going to work with uh, um, police on a good compromise on how we're to stop paying the insurance policies, and we can't keep hiring the Proud Boys, right? We got a, a police officer on the force right now who uh, has been to the Proud Boy uh, rallies and uh, uh, have been shown uh, to engage in some, some public racial remarks, and we have a, have a zero tolerance for that because when we just suspend them and allow them to stay on the force, uh, it provides a toxic workplace uh, uh, for other minority officers uh, as well as for the community. So we got to have a zero tolerance and have accountability as well. Thank you, Mr. Green. You both have said that if elected as the next mayor, you would fire Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown. So we're going to turn to a question about the police department from Marie, who lives on Chicago's northwest side. Marie says, how do you plan to increase the police force, stop the exodus of police from Chicago, and provide safety and support to them? Jamal Green. Well, you know, let me just say, David Brown, um, I think he's going to leave before he's fired, uh, as I'm hearing in the media, which is a good thing. Um, but we definitely need somebody who's more in touch um, with the city of Chicago. Um, when we talk about the exodus uh, of police officers, um, you know, who wants to be a police officer when you're trying to put the whole weight uh, on their shoulders, right? And so everything that I've talked about of re removing the burden, right, that's not saying that we're anti-police because in the long run, it's going to help police officers' jobs if, you have, uh, if they're not dealing with mental health issues and they don't turn into tragic situations that can be on video that causes that officer to be in scandals, right? If social workers are responding to it, if we have interventionists dealing with young people instead of an officer reacting wrong to a young person that ends up on video and now is a case for that police officer. This is a good thing, is that we tackle what's really going on and hire experts to deal with the issues in communities. That helps the culture, and that helps people want to be more police officers outside of some of the incentives that they should be given, whether it is free higher education, whether it is uh, down payment and closing costs for homes. You know, I, I understand the importance of incentivizing the job, but I also understand that you can't put the whole weight on police officers or people won't want to be police. Alderman? Yes, um, I, I, I would agree, uh, tentatively agree with what uh, J. Moore just stated. First, first of all, we've been doing, the last couple of years, we've had a pilot program in the 5th Police District regarding the four-day-on, three-day-off situation, and it has been working pretty well. It's going into the second year now. Now, the issue with therapists, though, because we want to make sure the police have every opportunity to be well, and behavioral wellness is always important. This is the issue, now, and we're at a college right now, and I'll, I'm, I'm putting the appeal out. Right now, we're, we've been trying to deal with both uh, clinicians 
therapists, psychologists, there is a nationwide shortage. We do not have enough to fulfill the obligation to put one in every police district, nonetheless two. So, uh, and it also has for our six mental health clinics, we're having problems staffing those as well. If you have, if you're listening out there and you're in college, consider a job in therapy, in psychology, that's the way to go because we need people in those professions. But what we want to make sure that we do with our police officers, make sure that they're securing that proper mental health to the extent that we can get those people in those districts. Also provide, uh, one thing that we're looking at right now is providing first of its kind, uh, a 20 year out for new police officers. That means they can retire after 20 years of service at the age of approximately 55. We have a, a tax center looking at the, the, you know, costing it out right now. But I, I got the idea based on my own personal pension. My pension uh, in the city of Chicago is 20 years at 55. Why shouldn't our, our officers who, you know, out in the street doing the frontline work get a similar pension based on what I, I receive? We received a question about crime and gangs from Stanley on Chicago's south side. Stanley wrote, I hear gunfire outside my home just about every day. Two months ago, a neighbor was shot by two gang members using AK-47s. What will you do to remove guns from gang members and reduce the shootings on the south side? Alderman Sawyer, what is your plan to reduce <clears throat> gang violence on the south side? I have already introduced into council the Office of Gun Violence Prevention. Uh, this is my second time introducing it, introduced it under the last administration and now working on it again this time. Uh, what we want to do is make sure that we have a robust office that's focused on gun removal, getting guns off the street, illegal guns off the street, and also providing resources for victims of, of gun, violence, uh, gun violence. Also in that, in that ordinance, we have a witness protection program in there, so we make sure that we can encourage people to give information to the police, and we will make sure that they're safe pending the outcome of, of the trial for those offenders. We want to make sure that gun violence is first and foremost in our administration, and this is something that I've been working on for years, and I'm going to continue to work on it as mayor. I'll have a different platform then because as mayor, I can push things and, and, and talk to my colleagues. I have that experience and have that knowledge working with my uh, the colleagues on the city council floor. You know, I'm a master collaborator. I've been doing this in, in ordinance after ordinance over my career, and it will happen with me as mayor. Jamel Green. Well, let me just say, you know, I have no problem giving a good job to Rod Sawyer to be done <laughs> deputy mayor, man. Um, but let me say, uh, when you talk about the real um, the issues in the communities, we got to have um, alternatives, right, um, for young people, right? We need to make sure that we're investing in them. You know, I said yesterday that a lot of our young people are out carjacking, and they could be building the cars. A lot of our young people got guns, um, and they can have hammers. A lot, we got 50,000 manufacturing jobs that are open right now in the city of Chicago. 50,000 right, that pay uh, uh, over $72,000 a year starting out. Why aren't we creating a pipeline to these uh, uh, jobs, right? So we gotta bring trade into the schools. We gotta bring uh, uh, certifications into the schools so that they can partner and go to manufacturing. We gotta have tech hubs. We got tech jobs that are six figures coming out of high school that they can get into right now. So we need to bring tech hubs throughout the city. We gotta have alternatives. And that's why the Youth Intervention Department is so important uh, uh, to have so that we can intervene whenever there's a trigger, as well as make sure that there's massive programming in our school system. Schools should be open throughout the day and on weekends with massive programming for students as well as their parents. Um, we must make sure that we're investing in every person and giving them a route to building a middle class uh, life. And last, I'll say, we got 
380,000 lead pipes in the city of Chicago right now, poisoning um, um, young people, poisoning people all throughout these neighborhoods. We have billions of dollars in infrastructure money, and I believe the federal government even and moved us some down. Why aren't we changing these pipes? This is a massive jobs program right here of all the people in these neighborhoods who can be helping us uh, change these pipes or helping us build new homes. We can do this, you, and uh, we just got to have the intentionality. Quick response, Alderman. Yes, uh, and, and again, you know, all the, all the social programs, I, I, we all support. I, I Trust me and believe me. But when we're talking about gun violence, gunfire, I hear the same things that the caller hears every night. I live five minutes south of here. I, I experience in that. And what I will say, there have to be consequences to actions. I call it the hot stove theory. You know when your mother told you don't touch the stove and you touched it anyway? You get burnt. You get burnt. I support all the reentry and all the supportive services for everybody, but until we make sure that we, one, have consequences to actions, and then we can provide services for those that have done their debt to society, if we're talking about gun violence prevention, if you hold a gun illegally and you're out here shooting at people, there should be consequences to your actions. I'm not saying that you know, we're not going to be harsh like we've heard some other call, uh, candidates do, but there have to be real consequences to real actions. And once you've uh, got past that, we will give you all the supportive services necessary. We want you to be a part of society as long as you acknowledge that Thank you've you, done wrong. Can I, quick, quick 20 seconds on accountability. I'm sorry. Um, 20 listen, seconds. I, I believe in accountability for sure. But the reality is, is that when you look at the data, just mandatory sentencing or, 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 or causing any, 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 trying to have any type of sentencing guidelines, that does not change the reality because the recidivism is very high. So folks come back to the neighborhoods and do it all over again. That's why reentry is important. That's why grabbing them before they get to Agreed. committing that violent crime is important. Agreed. And that's what must be our focus, not uh, uh, over accountability. We're broadcasting live from the University of Chicago campus. This is the second of our two forums of candidates running for mayor, presented to you by WBEZ, the Chicago Sun-Times, and U of C's Institute of Politics. Here with me on stage, we have two candidates seeking the office of mayor, 6th Ward Alderman Rod Sawyer and organizer Jamal Green. All right, let's get back into it. So transportation was a huge issue in our People's Agenda survey responses, with nearly a third of responses talking about this issue. Many people were frustrated with the state of the CTA. And here is a specific question from Jen on Chicago's near west side. Jen says, I ride the CTA to work on a regular basis, and it has become increasingly impossible for me to predictably get to work on time in the past year. What do you plan to do in the near term and in the long term to combat the CTA's persistent problems with inconsistency, crime, and poor rider conduct? Jamal Green. Yeah, this is such an important issue, right? Um, the CTA should be a world-class model, uh, and right now it's not. It's a mobile homeless shelter, uh, and with many folks who have mental, mental um, illnesses that we aren't addressing. So the first thing, one of the first things we're going to do is, is we're going to remove the leadership. Let me just say that. I think we need better leadership at CTA that's more innovative. Uh, number two is we need to um, declare uh, a state of emergency to free up some funds for CTA um, so that we can deploy social workers to get folks off of the trains and pair them with services immediately, as well as use those funds to open up temporary housing
department, uh, as well as uh, a mental health clinic. Um, that is important to tackle the root cause of what's going on so that we can start to, to get uh, CTA in order. We got to have peacekeepers, a peacekeepers agency that uh, patrol the trains to mitigate uh, any concerns in any situations. And we need CTA to be safe, clean, fast, and at some point it needs to be free, right? Transportation is a right and it should be, uh, and we need to be looking towards uh, making that a right because it'll actually help pour back into our economy. And so uh, uh, the immediate concerns is safety, the immediate concerns is addressing the root causes. Uh, we need to add more jobs so that we have uh, more cleaning shifts on CTA. We need our cameras to be live so that we can actually view them in real time. Um, there's a lot we must do, uh, and we're ready to do it on day one. Alderman. Yes. Uh, obviously, we want to make sure that the CTA is clean, safe, and reliable. Uh, we don't want it you know, to continue to smell like urine and weed. We make sure that we work with our, our, our CTU and our ATU uh, union members to make sure that we understand how important it is to maintain the cleanliness of our rail stops, our buses, and our trains. This is a, a, a paramount importance. I know it may not sound big, but it is big. Obviously, we can use safety. Uh, I would eliminate the current contract we have with the uh, dogs that we currently are on the, on the offices. And what we can do now is, for example, we have multiple police departments and, and security departments at airports. We can take our officers from that airport, redeploy them, and also uh, use that savings to put officers on CTA on the trains and buses to make that work. We also want to make sure that reliability has continued to be important. I don't know who's uh, coordinating the plans down there. They have to be replaced. Uh, when you have a bus tracking system that we spent lots of money on, it should be reliable, and you should be able to depend on it if you look on your phone or your tablet and it says that the bus is going to be there at 842. It should darn well be there at 842 and not be an empty one just passing you by uh, trying to catch up with something else. That has to change. I do agree with uh, us bringing in new leadership, bringing in transportation experts that will give us the uh, right information. But what we do is do these things. Uh, we want to make sure that and I have one other thing. We want to have ambassadors on, on the trains and buses as well to provide services for those that we, uh, J-Mall just talked about us, uh, but the situation with the homeless and other people on the trains and buses uh, not seeking services. We want to make sure that we can offer those services to them, and that we can do by having ambassadors patrol the planes, uh, trains and buses, rather, and, and do that work uh, and make sure that we can give these people the services that they deserve. What is your response to uh, your competitor, Willie Wilson, who has said that he would boot people who are sleeping on trains. What's your response to that strategy, Alderman? <laughs> I'm sorry. You said we should boot people that don't. Oh, I didn't say I know that. you didn't. I'm sorry. I know uh, you didn't say it. Willie I'm Wilson has said that uh, uh, he would boot people who are sleeping on trains. You know what? That's just insensitive. I, I don't even know if I should respond to that. That's, that's just an insensitive statement to make. Uh, the people on the trains, they're not on there for convenience. It's, it's a necessity. They'd have nowhere else to go. We just want to find, make sure we find resources for these individuals and make sure that they are getting the proper service, whether it be behavioral health, whether it be housing assistance, job, or some kind of training. We have to do better. And that's what uh, I, I don't even know what to say about Green. that. Right. Well, you know, I'm not surprised, um, <laughs> especially because we got rabbits out there uh, that he wants to hunt. Um, you know, I think that it's a human issue what's going on on CTA. This is a human issue. And everyone should be afforded basic human rights in the city. Uh, housing is a human right. Um, why, aren't, why are there 65,000 people who are homeless in the city of Chicago that has a $28 billion enterprise? Uh, I mean, we have to be honest here. 
This, these are human rights issues, and the city of Chicago needs to step up and make sure every human in this city can grow and thrive uh, and, and not have to go and live on our train system. So uh, that's how we're going to approach in our administration is making sure that everyone has basic human rights. Jamal Green, you've said that you declare a state of emergency to free up money to put social workers on, on CTA trains and platforms. Yeah. How much do you anticipate spending? Well, you know, it depends. We are, we're looking at um, uh, some numbers as far as how many people are really on trains that, that, that need services, um, but it's definitely going to be in the tens of millions. We have to address this issue rather quickly, uh, and then we also have to, you know, address our shortages on CTA, and so we want to do a massive jobs program for uh, ex-offenders and veterans um, and make, uh, make sure there's a pipeline to these jobs coming out of schools, right? We need to be uh, have a good relationship with CPS um, for our students to know that these are good middle-class jobs um, on, on CTA. And unfortunately, all the departments are, are working independently. You know, So we need a pipeline to these jobs and have massive jobs programs. Uh, and so, yeah. Alderman Sawyer, you've said that you would improve the CTA bus tracking system. You talked a moment ago about bringing in experts. Do you have anything more specific you can add to how you would do that? No, I mean, we have a very robust system. They're just not using it properly. I think that we need people that understand the, the technological advancements that we've already made and that are inherent in the system and make sure that it works. Uh, there's always been an old statement, you know, plan your work, work your plan. I don't think they're working their plan right now. I think the infrastructure there isn't in place, but they're not using it properly. So we have to use people that in their department of planning, they have a scheduling department at CTA. I worked there many years ago. Uh, they have departments in there that deal with the, uh, the online tracking systems. And now that it's so advanced now with, with technology, we can be doing it better with minimal extra input, just having the right person in place to do the job. We received many responses to our People's Agenda survey about environmentally friendly transit solutions. Yeah. This is one from Jim in Goose Island. Jim says, there are many compelling reasons why Chicago needs to maintain and expand its public transit network while vastly reducing the need to own and use private cars, even EVs. What will you do to get Chicago on the right path to 50% plus of all trips not made via a car and vastly reducing car ownership? Jamal Green. Uh, this is, this is super, super important as a person who uh, have been an um, EV owner for many years. Um, we have to make sure that we're addressing this issue uh, in all of our departments, uh, from de decarbonization in our government uh, uh, by 2030, as well as making sure that we're moving our bus fleets uh, uh, to electric fleets. And I think that we can lure some of the manufacturers of um, these electric uh, buses right here in the city of Chicago to create a lot of jobs. And I think that's another thing that we need to look at. Um, we're going to institute a Department of Environment in the city of Chicago, a fully funded, fully staffed Department of Environment. Uh, and we're going to uh, look at elements of the Green New Deal uh, to see how we can bring it on the city level because we need a Green New Deal right here in the city of Chicago. You won't have a greener city unless you elect Jamal Green. I'm just letting you know. Um, you know, we have uh, a, a lot of work to do in regards to auditing our infrastructure, 
right? That's another thing that's, that's important from uh, our, our bike lanes and where they're placed uh, about how, how we are narrowing our, our streets. There's a lot we must do to audit our infrastructure to make it more walkable, make it more rideable, uh, uh, so that people actually want to do those things and uh, have uh, better transportation systems so more people want to get on public transit and an electric, uh, um, electric bus fleet as well. Thank you for that response. Alderman, what will you do to get Chicago on the right path to 50% plus all trips not made via a car and vastly reducing car ownership? We have to do more in the areas of, of riding and walking in particular. Uh, we just talked about electric vehicles. We, obviously, we all support that. Uh, we've all supported uh, establishing a, a new Department of Environment, a commission-level department, to make sure that we can get the advice that's necessary. But what we're going to also have to do is do our work, the work that, that a lot of us do on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure our streets are safe, making sure that there's consequences to people that are parking and, and, and clogging up by, uh, bike lanes. Uh, we may have to look at you know, reducing right turns on red to make people safe. These are the type of things we have to start looking at as a 21st century solutions to making sure that our, our, our walkers and our riders are safe, and including our drivers. And as we're moving to electric vehicles and other forms that, are, that reduce our carbon footprint, we have to make sure that these things are in place. And that includes making our streets safer, uh, filling potholes, making sure that there are no uh, vaulted sidewalks, because accessibility is for all. We want to make sure those are walking, uh, can be accept, you know, have ac good access to streets, people that are riding bikes, they don't fall into potholes and, and get hurt and injured and also making sure that all these things are, are coordinated in place and they will be in conjunction with our Department of Transportation and our Department of Environment. All right, well, speaking of access, I want to ask you both a question that I asked the five candidates yesterday. This is from Jane on Twitter, and she wants to know, how will you address disparities in access to transit that negatively impact vast swaths of the far south and east sides of the city? Jamal Green? Yeah, now I want to say I agree with everything that the Alderman just said, and we got to also, um, just in regards to the last question, make it more affordable um, and we got to bring forth subsidies. I know the state has brought forth a $7,500 credit. The city needs to do its part to make it easier for folks to transi transition to uh, uh, electric vehicles um, and that's another thing that we must do and invest in infrastructure uh, throughout the city of Chicago so that there are charging stations all throughout the city. So, um, in so regards let's talk to disparities. Yes. Your disparities, um, you know, we obviously must audit the bus routes, right? We have uh, a lot of routes that are not being used as much as they need to, and then a lot of places that actually need routes, right? So we need to audit our routes uh, completely so that we're making sure that uh, all of the disparities are being met. You know, I also uh, agree with the extension from the 95th Red Line Station to go to the uh, edge of the city. You know, I think that is a big deal. Alkeel Gardens, who is without a grocery store, uh, uh, who is without, you know, proper transportation that can get the connected them to downtown. Uh, it's important that we audit this and do better, and we will under our administration. Alderman. Again, I, I think I talked a lot about this, uh, about dis access and dis uh, disparities uh, regarding, you know, walking, riding, and driving, and I do obviously support the extension of the red line, which is about 60 years, um, you know, too late, but we're glad that it's coming uh, now. But we want to make sure that when we talk about access disparities, we have to talk about all the me methods of, of getting around the city. And I, and I talked about them previously. When you're walking, you want to make sure the streets are safe, uh, that we have uh, ADA-compliant uh, crosswalks and, and curbs, making sure that the sidewalks are, are accessible, particularly those when walkers and other, uh, that have other impediments to moving clearly. 
We want to make sure that all these disparities are addressed, particularly on the transportation side, because we want the CTA to be the primary focus of getting from A to B throughout the city of Chicago, and that has to happen so that we can reduce our reliance upon vehicles. And that includes having access to parking structures and other parking rides, which we do not have on the south and west sides, not nearly enough. And I would say even in Hyde Park, it's challenging uh, to find a park space over here to, to catch the metro downtown. Thank you, Alderman. This is Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for joining us here on WBEZ for the second of our two forums with the candidates running for Chicago's top office, the Office of Mayor. Now, two of those running, businessman Willie Wilson and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, dropped out of this forum last minute after confirming that they would be here. That's given a bit more time to the two candidates who are here with us, Organizer Jamal Green and 6th Ward Alderman Rod Sawyer. There are a lot of candidates running for mayor, and we hope that these forums are helping you to make your decision. And for everyone who is listening and the folks in the room with us here at the University of Chicago, I do want to encourage you to stick around after the candidates leave the stage at the end of this hour, because starting just after noon, we'll be doing analysis of what we've been hearing from these two and uh, we'll also be taking a look at where the mayor's race stands overall, less than three weeks away from Election Day, so stay with us. All right, candidates, I've got to move on now to education. Mark from Lincoln Park had this question. Can you explain specifically how the CPS budget can be reconfigured to put more funds in the classroom? Jamal Green. Well, you know, what's going on with CPS, I mean, is a travesty. Um, as a product of CPS and watching our young people each and every day be failed, um, it needs to stop. And the privatizers in our schools are making millions uh, off of the food and off of the cleanliness. Um, but look at the results in our school buildings. And the only people that are suffering are our students. And we're supposed to be spending $30,000 per student. That money isn't making it into the classroom or into those schools. Uh, one of the things that we must do is we got to go to the state and we got to change our formula. It needs to change from enrollment-based formula to needs-based formula. Every school needs the investment that it needs, uh, uh, that they need so that they can have the wraparound resources, um, so that they have updated books, so that they have after-school programs. It needs to be a, a situation where no matter where you live in this city, that there's a standard and a high-quality education, and we need to make that happen. So um, we're going to audit every dollar of CPS, one of the first things that we will do, uh, as well as get rid of the waste and the privatization and bring back good-paying union jobs to take care of our, our kids uh, in our classrooms and in our school buildings. Alderman, how will you put more money in the classroom? Well, the disparity in funding is, is, is abhorrent right now. Uh, we're, we're, we're spending more and we have fewer students. That doesn't make sense. But what we need to do right now is make sure that we're spending every available dollar toward the education of our students. And right now, the CPS is not doing that. We spend far too much money and far too much reliance on buildings that are decaying and, and making sure that uh, these buildings uh, are, are in place. But we want to make sure that when we talk about children, we should be talking about their education, their extracurriculars, their social-emotional growth, uh, especially during COVID, and they have not been interacting with people. These are the things that are important to, to students and to parents. Right now, uh, even though I do support the moratorium that's in place until 2025 as it relates to school buildings, I think that we spend way too much time talking about buildings and not enough time talking about the full education of students. Where do we place our priorities? Uh, buildings are important. I want to make sure that, that we use the buildings that we have, but we have buildings right now that are 5% uh, occupied and 0% proficiency in our, in our core subjects. 
That is not a sustainable model to educate our children. We want to make sure that as we're doing more towards really focusing on educating our students, dealing with the, the, the true inside of people. I talk to my principals on a regular basis in, in grammar school, and they're dealing with such ridiculous issues as relates to drug dealing, crime, uh, gun violence, prostitution. And these are elementary school students. And I'm talking about this is participating, not watching. They're actively involved in this. And we're expected to keep up with the rest of the city on, on reading and math. It cannot happen until we really focus on truly educating our children, and that's what we have to do. Thank you, Alderman. Can we I, know can I get a rebuttal real quick? 20 seconds. Uh, I'm sorry, because uh, we, we disagree. Uh, me and my colleague disagree on, on school closures. Um, and it, at the end of the day, we should not be looking to close any more school buildings. We have school buildings right now in our communities that are land vacant with no purpose for them. We need to be talking about how we're going to invest in these school buildings to bring uh, uh, more students and more families into the neighborhood. And that's why our home ownership plan is super important. Uh, our public bank, we want to create a public bank so that we can invest uh, into uh, uh, communities as well as all that property that comes right, back and be a strain for underfunded schools. Uh, so I just want to make sure that we know we got to invest in the school building. Uh, and not Thank you for that response. Well, Alderman? Very quickly, the, the disconnect is that each one of these school buildings costs almost $1 million a year to operate vacant. That means we still have to keep it hot. We have, you know, keep the pipes from bursting because we are trying to reuse these buildings. We do want them to have some productive use. Don't get me wrong. I support a productive reuse of these buildings. But right now, we're spending, when you talk about our disparity in the budget, that's the biggest issue in disparity in the budget the vacant operating schools that we have, the under-enrolled schools that we have. We need to look at a 21st model, century model for education, and this is not it. But, but well, the only reason why these school buildings on, are vacant is because of the privatization and them uh, selling our, our families this model that they can go to the charter schools and get a better education, All right, let's keep and it they moving. didn't. So that's the reason why they're vacant. All right, we know violence too often takes the lives of young people. Alexander from West Lawn is asking, how do you plan on making schools safer? Jamal Green, you do not support police in schools, so in a minute, tell us what you will do to make school safer. Well, we're going to invest in young people, right? And I think that that's what's important. And having a police force inside our school is not the way to go. You know, I'll be honest. I was a kid who was arrested in school because my teacher said that I yelled at him. And they put me in handcuffs and did a report and let me go on about my day. You know, that's not how you treat young people. They need uh, the individual attention uh, um, that they're supposed to get. Uh, and we need to make sure that we are staffing schools with social workers, that we have after-school programs, mentoring organizations, not just police sitting around with guns in our school buildings. And they can also be uh, in the area in case of an immediate response. Alderman sorry, you responded to our WBEZ mayoral candidate survey that police do have a role in schools. So how would you work to improve safety at schools? Well, uh, as you may know, I was the author of the Cops Out of School Ordinance uh, that was uh, presented to me by VOICE, which is the Voice of Youth for Chicago Education, Children, Childhood Education. I introduced that because we needed to have the conversation, and I wanted to have that conversation uh, whether you agree with the issue or don't agree with the issue. I thought it was far too important for us not to have it. Uh, for, to have it. This is the issue. We want uh, those that uh, made the decision, it should have been a local decision in the first place and now that it really is, the local school councils are now making that decision on whether they want cops, uh, secu re school resource officers, as they're called, in their schools. Now, we also have to realize that most schools also have other 
uh, security officers in school that are not CPD. There are SEIU 73 union workers that are also in the schools providing uh, safety and security there as well. So we want to make sure that if you have a decision, some people opted in, some people opted out. That was the best solution for me, that everybody had their, their interests. Me personally, I was an LSC chair for 10 years. My school resource officer was the nicest guy in the world. Uh, we really didn't need him, to be honest with you, but you know, he provided an extra, uh, extra set of eyes, and he was, uh, you know, he was always available for assistant coaching or, or just dealing with the children directly. So making kids safer is not always, I agree, not always a police presence, but you want to make sure that we have adults in the space that will uh, assist and guide our children to make sure they're making right decisions. And we have that already. And based on what I've provided uh, and introduced, uh, we end up having uh, local decisions made, and we end up saving a few dollars out of that as well. So I'm very proud to have been a part of that. Thank you. Candidates, Kirsten from Andersonville has this question. Let's listen. The Early Childhood Workforce Partnership, a group of 19 early childhood employers, estimated that by 2024, they will need 3,000 new educators and additional credentials for 1,000 existing educators whose roles now have higher degree requirements. Additionally, early childhood professionals are significantly underpaid, which does not reflect the knowledge and skill required to teach the youngest Chicagoans. So what is your plan for strengthening the early care and education workforce in Chicago? Your plan for strengthening the early care and education workforce in Chicago. Alderman. Well, one, we just had this conversation last night at a forum. Uh, one of the things you want to do is make sure that the wages are comparable. Uh, right now, we have a competition going on right now between child, uh, private child care providers and CPS, especially with the uh, early childhood education scenario. And what CPS is doing is, is snatching children from the private child care providers, and that's not fair. We, uh, especially since most of the black-owned businesses, particularly women-owned black businesses in Chicago, a lot of them are child care providers, you will be devastating that industry and removing that industry out of, out of existence. We want to make sure that they stay in place, and there's a place for CPA, uh, CPS uh, child care providers and, and people that can take advantage of that. We want to make sure that they are, are, are working together. There's another issue regarding the Type 4 license that, they, uh, that they're required to receive. Uh, I was talking to a lot of child care advocates last night, and they feel that, 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 that ISBE is placing too far of a burden on them right now with that license as far as retaining and, and trying to attract and retain uh, qualified uh, individuals to serve, the, uh, serve their daycares. We want to make sure we take a good look at that. We want to make certain that what they're doing is for the benefit of the children. But again, it starts with wages. Uh, if CPS is paying people uh, $50,000 a year, and the private child care providers are only paying $15 based on the formula that they receive. We need to increase the Thank formula. Thank you, Alderman. Jamal Green. Well, uh, this is definitely an issue in regards to pay um, that I think we must work with our state partners to increase. Look, I got a three-year-old right now in child care, and I don't know what I would do if I had to have him all day. All right, and so this is an important issue to make sure that our private care providers, um, who are our folks that support us, um, as well as help the families, right? We pay a lot of money uh, to send our kids to these providers, uh, and we need the city to step in, uh, as well as the state, 
to help out in regards to uh, how expensive it is and in regards to the wage of uh, the private care providers because uh, there's no better care you know for these young people than the people in these communities and we got to make sure that we're supporting them and we also got to hope help them when it comes to development and spaces and ownership right um, we have a lot of buildings and school buildings some of them need more space we should be able to uh, uh, help that give them the spaces and city in the city-owned properties as well as help them in regards to ownership right in regards to mortgages and down payment and closing cost assistance um, which we will provide under our public bank so there's a lot we must do this is a huge issue because because the care of children zero and up is going to determine um, their future, and we got to make sure that we're investing in each and every one of our young people. All right, time for our lightning round. We've got a ton of questions from voters on all kinds of issues, so we're just going to go down the list, and candidates, your job at this portion of the event is just to answer yes, no, or maybe Wow. to these questions. That's Again, hard. yes, <laughs> no. Or maybe. Or response. <laughs> or maybe. All right, Mark from Lincoln Park. Do you support giving parents vouchers that could be used in private schools? No. No. All right. And that was Alderman Sawyer first and uh, J. Maul Green second for our listeners. Sure just told me to say yes or no. So <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure our listeners know whose who's yeses and whose noes those are. All right. And Mark from Lincoln Park had a follow-up question. Do you support an expansion of charter schools? Alderman? No. No. Okay. Jamal Green says no. All right. Adriana in the northwest side says, will you support an elected city colleges of Chicago board of trustees instead of continuing to appoint them? Jamal Green? Yes. Yes. Okay. Everyone says yes. All right. <laughs> Alex on the northwest side says, uh, do you support a pilot program at a fixed cost to test universal sidewalks, snow, and ice clearance? J. Maul Green. Uh, we'll need to test it. It needs to be done. Right. Yeah. I so agree. it needs to be done. We need to fully fund it. Yes. Alderman? Yes. I have something to say, but I won't. Yes. Thank you, Thank you for, for obeying the rules there. Temi from the Tri-Taylor area asks, do you support repealing the state ban on rent control? Alderman. I'm sorry. Do you support repealing the state ban on rent control? Not at this time. No. No. Jamal? That's a, that's a maybe for me. All right. Melinda in Avondale, will you continue the current guaranteed income pilot program? And for our listeners and viewers, that's the city program that's giving $500 a month to 5,000 income qualifying Chicago residents for a 12-month period right now. Jamal Green. We are we already presented one that's even bigger. Yes, no, or thousand dollars a month for ten thousand families. Is that yes. a yes, no, or maybe? Yes. Okay. And Alderman. <laughs> maybe. Okay, we're going to diverge from the People's Agenda Survey. Yesterday, a voter asked if the candidates believe in ghosts. Today, we have our own question from Team Reset: Do you believe in aliens or intelligent life in the universe? Alderman. <laughs> I, I, I always felt that yes, I would no be... Yes, no, or maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was one of the yes or no questions. I'm sorry. I thought this was a special. Strange enough, yes. <laughs> Jamal Green. There are some aliens in the mayor race, for sure, yes. <laughs> I mean, and, and while I have you here, where do you fall on that ghost question? We've we got to know. Do you believe in ghosts, Alder, Alderman? <laughs> well... Yes, yes, no, or maybe. Yes, I believe in, in spirit. Yes, I and, do. And Jamal Green. 
Uh, yes. And I, I have to be with Cam Buckner on this. Ghost buses. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thank you to everyone who filled out our People's Agenda survey, which informed the questions that we asked the candidates in our mayoral together our mayoral forums on reset has been a real team effort between wbez the chicago sun times and the university of chicago's institute of politics special shout out to reset senior producer meha ahmed for her leadership on this project that is all for reset i'm sasha ann simons we'll talk to you tomorrow Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.